Looking to create wealth and income through high cash flowing real estate? Self-storage is the fastest growing and the newest real estate asset that has outperformed all others. What's its secret? I'm AJ Osborne, and with over a million square feet that we have built, acquired, expanded, and even converted big box stores from small third tier markets to large hundred plus thousand square foot facilities, we have seen it all. This is the podcast that we're going to discuss and bring on the best investors and operators in the nation to show you how to create wealth and income with self-storage. Welcome to Self-Storage Income. Welcome, everybody, to Self-Storage Income. Today, we're discussing something that I, I, you know, it's not that it's not positive, but it definitely has a negative tone and connotation to it. Today, we're talking about why people fail. But the important thing about this is not so much the failing part, it's just the steps that you need to be aware of and avoid and where we see mistakes being made. So although we're, you know, I guess we could have spin that a little better, maybe saying things to do to make sure you're successful, but we're throwing a big fail out there. Just why people fail <laughs> and destroy themselves. So potholes to avoid here. Um, you know, this is an interesting subject, and I'm going to break it up into two parts. Um, I thought the first thing we would talk about today is mentality that people have about storage. Um, I think the stories that we tell ourselves um, are very important because they become the building blocks for reasons and things that we do and outcomes. So there's three things that I, I kind of want to talk about that you need to be aware of and you need to bring into it. And then we're going to go over four things that I see that people are actively doing wrong, right? Um, or they don't do that they need to be doing. Uh, there's a whole list of obvious things. We could be talking about contracts. We could be talking about all sorts of things that are very specific. I'm going to try to keep this more on a broad base and, once again, to limit it to the main things that I see. Um, this comes from things like facilities that we've bought that weren't performing and the owner was losing and why he was losing it and why when we bought it, we were able to make it work um, and kind of do a comparison of facilities that we're looking at in the market and operators that we see and the people that find success versus the people that fail. So uh, to get started, let's, let's talk about your mentality. And this is really important. And the first one is also the main one that I see when storage facilities don't work out. And it's building. And it's because they have an attitude of, if I build it, they will come, right? Um, and unless you're playing baseball, this doesn't work. So, and also I wouldn't depend on ghosts filling up your facility. <laughs> so, uh, you know, really this is, comes down to there, there's no thought very much involved. I'm always surprised because I don't, you just don't think that that would be a thing. But then we're out talking to people that either just build or they're building and ask, oh, why'd you put the sites, uh, this land? 
oh, well, I owned it and I didn't want to deal with apartments. Oh, okay. Well, you know, like everybody's we, building storage. Yeah, so I just thought, like, it'd, be so I thought cool. it'd be a good idea. <laughs> yeah. And, um, What's your strategy to fill it up? And when you there's just no real other thought besides the fact that this is the location either that I want to be in or I have it. And uh, um, that leads normally to uh, the second and third one. So the second and third theme or the second theme, we'll start with that, that people have when getting into storage, which basically guarantees or ensures that even if you're not going to fail, you're not going to like it, or you just won't have a very successful outcome, is that it's passive, it's simple, and it's hands-off. The amount of times that I've heard people say this that get into it um, is just crazy. And it's not that it's not true, but it's the mentality that I don't want to do anything, so I'm getting into this business that generally leads to good acquisition targets. Yeah, you're setting that precedent of, oh, I'm not going to have to do anything to, wait a second, this is a business and I have all these administrative tasks and maintenance tasks and everything else. Um, and it would be a lot to take on if you thought that it was just going to be some passive mailbox money situation. Yeah. yeah, and unless you're investing with good operators, you have to be the good operator. Um and you just think, oh, I'll just hire somebody to sit there, and once again, they will come. Um, and then all of a sudden, you have tenants that are not paying, you have occupancy problems, and on and on and on. The, the, what comes with this asset is just a different kind of administration than other assets, right? Like, yes, there's no toilets, right? But two, you don't have an active customer base that acts like a retail center that is coming in and doing sales that you need to upsell and buy. And especially if you're buying it from a good operator that is making more per tenant than when you buy it and you're not operating it at that level, you're not going to see the same kind of success. That's important to know and understand. All self-storage facilities perform very differently, and that depends on operators and who's performing it, which... This leads into the third thing is the reason I got into storage is because it's recession-proof. It never fails. Um, that, to me, with anything, is a setup for disaster because it means that you are not looking out for all the reasons you may fail. You're going to be ignorant to outside um, problems and pressures on that business and asset class that may make it struggle not perform or even fail. Um, simply, it makes you lazy because you think it's a guaranteed success, and it's not. Um, that's really important to know and understand. None of this is meant to be discouraging by any means, right? At all. No, but it should be empowering. It, like you yes. need to see the whole picture. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Um, and you are in control of the outcome, right? And I, I think that, too, a lot of us inherently know these things, you know, that we're regurgitating, um, like it's recession proof. Uh, that doesn't even make sense. There's no asset class that is recession proof. And two, every recession is different. So just because it hasn't hit you, right, it doesn't mean it. Like, we don't need to go back that far, right? That was the theme that led to the housing crisis. Once again, houses never drop in value. Mm -hmm. That simple phrase that went into every single model of every single Wall Street banker, right? Every single broker and every single buyer 
um, set everyone up for failure. So get rid of these stories that are just, I don't know if it's things that we tell ourselves or it's, it's just a pipe dream that people fall, follow. And let's get serious, right? Mm-hmm. You're building, you're investing in an asset that is a revenue producing that has customers that are coming in. You want it to perform at its top best ability possible. And you need to go into it looking for opportunities and downsides and looking at it very thoroughly. If you don't know where the downsides are, you also don't know where the upsides are. And so we got to get rid of those themes and we got to get rid of those kind of mental models when approaching self-storage. The reason I think it's so prevalent is because this build it and they will come. Well, that used to be self-storage. Self-storage really didn't exist, right? And so you went through a 30-year phase where people were building them and it didn't even matter where you built it. People would use it because the asset class didn't exist. And so anybody that wanted to use it just had to go there. I mean, there, there, it wasn't prevalent. And so, so many people saw people get very, very successful in this asset class by basically building across railroad tracks and all of a sudden they're full. <laughs> and they're um, good to go. Yeah, they're good to go. Yeah. Right. Those, those same ta- tactics that led people to be successful don't work today. Um, and I think that's kind of a misconception. Like I was, I was kind of trying to think about this as you were talking about it, but it's it's interesting because that's a really big misconception uh, that you see in storage, but that you also just see in general, you know, people going out and starting a business for the first time. Like, it's not kind of this thing that's just in storage where it's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go and start making this product. and do, They're just going to fly off the shelves. Everybody's yeah. going to want one of these things. Yep. When there's no market research done to show that, there's no d- demand that's been identified, there's no uh, any of that. Cost of production. Yeah. Um, but it, for some reason, we just think like, yeah. <laughs> yes. oh, it's going to work. Like, exactly. There's no way it could fail. And, you know, it, it's, I mean, look at us. You know, one of our, our first small storage facilities, we sold for less than we bought it for. Um, and the point is learning and growing, right? The per- point is understanding. And so- we have a plethora of options of education and self-storage uh, and things that you can learn to avoid any pitfalls. So don't be lazy. Let's all put in the work, build out a great business plan, Heck yeah. figure out a good strategy, and let's make a great business. So now we're moving on to my four things that I see that people get wrong or they don't do. Before we do that, we got to talk about our sponsors. Um I'm just going to include this one. This was my, I think, my third thing on my list, but it's lack of a competitive team. And I think about that because one of our sponsors is Live Oak Bank, and financing is such a huge portion of this business. Um, You need to make sure that you have a good team that you're surrounding, and that's everything from marketing. That's everything from um, on-site management. That's everything from your auction platforms that you may be using, accountants, attorneys, banking, right? And Live Oak Bank, we view as a partner. They're part of your team, right? That's how we view all our financial partners. And you have to realize that they are putting their capital on the line and they're in it with you. But Live Oak Bank comes in and they're really looking at your overall business plan. These things we're talking about, they're looking about how you're going to execute a strategy, the performance, and they help you understand that and where it might not fit and work, as opposed to simply looking at, you know, debt to income. They're they're in there, 
right, to make sure that this business is going to be successful and they understand it. So they're a partner that you can lean on. Um, we talked a lot about this with Terry Campbell. Like they do a lot of um, SBA loans uh, for this purpose. It's it's such a strength of theirs. So when looking at financing, guys, uh, the links in here, you got to check them out. Um, the next one is Janice. Uh, you know, it's funny, we've been working today and we've been putting calls in, emails and, and talking to Janice on um, a project that we're doing. Mm-hmm. And because we view that in certain circumstances, you know, we're going to bring them in and use their expertise and we view them as a partner. We're looking at them to help understand a whole lot of different aspects about this. And this includes everything from building, because they do the metal, like, right, Janus, you have the Janus doors, the metal, the framing. Um, they've done conversions with us. Um, they are doing the technology through the keyless entry system, which is no key, which we run a lot of our storage facilities off, which we've done through expansions and everything else. And we view them as a partner. So creating a good team, which is a perfect time to talk about our two sponsors, right? That's one of these things. But the first thing that I see people get wrong, um, that's supply and demand. They get the supply and demand of the market wrong. They don't see the trends, where's it's heading. Then there's a flattening of rates and an increase in vacancy. And now you're competing on price. Uh, it, you know, I like to think about this. If that's the one thing you get right, you can fail at a lot of other things. But if you fail at that, you have to get a lot of things right for it to work out. So uh, I talk a lot about economic wins, right? When you're looking at investments, when you're looking at market cycles, you need economic wins to take you there. And that's how I view supply and demand. Demand is the wins in your sale for this investment. And it's just one that you have no control over. So if you get it wrong, it's not something you can just change. That's why it's the number one thing, because you can't just change it. No, after you buy it, no matter how much you wish and want, um, those are things out of your control. It's like those bad products. Exactly. <laughs> no matter how much marketing you do. <laughs> Nobody wants them. Yeah. So the number two is underwriting. They underwrite their expenses and revenues wrong. They're too dependent on maybe a broker who doesn't understand the business well, and they are not doing lock checks. They're not accurately analyzing the um, the cost to manage and operate that business because the current owner is not doing anything, and that's the expenses they're going off of. And then you come in and you have to actually run it right to get revenue up, and your costs are or higher than anything that was previously posted, therefore eating away at your return and creating an asset that is much more expensive. Um, uh, you paid way too much for it. Um, that's probably the second biggest thing. You missed the underwriting. Then third is your lack of team, which we talked about, because that should help you with a lot of these different areas. Um, and then number four is the lack of a business plan. All I mean when I say lack of business plan is lack of execution, right? You don't have a path of execution that is well thought out. Build it and they will come. That's not how it works, right? What is the cost to acquire a customer? What is the process to acquire a customer? And then how do you keep them? 
How many customers are there? What's the time frame? What needs to be done? On and on and on. You need to have a good business plan. You need to have a good uh, good idea of how this is all going to play out. And you put these essentially four things together, you have a rock star deal. Really. I mean, honestly, if you just focused on these four things, uh, so much can go wrong. And you can miss mess up on so much and you'll still be okay. Um, I know that because all the facilities that we've ever gotten really good um, was a combination of all these things. There was high demand. We underwrote it well. We had a great team helping us. And then our execution was wonderful. And we ended up doubling the facility, right? When we missed one of these elements, it obviously led to failures in some aspects. And perfect example was the first one. We were in a small town that didn't have demand. We didn't really understand, right? I was one of those guys. I just bought it because there's no toilets. That's what we did. No <laughs> toilets, right? We're going to buy it. It's true. And uh, <laughs> the demand wasn't there. We, after a while, we just really didn't even know what to do with it. Um, so we parted ways. Uh, luckily for me, after we paid down debt and incurred the income, that outpaced the loss. So financially, it was a net positive, but we sold it for, I think, um, 30, 40K. I got to look at the exact number, uh, less than we bought it for. Uh, and then all the ones that we did that we, you know, turned around and put that money into an investment right after it that was in a market that had high demand. We underwrote it much better after having experience. We then took, uh, had all sorts of things done because we didn't understand or know. So we leaned on a team more. We created a plan. We executed it. Six months later, we sold it and netted a million dollars more from 200000 and rolled that into another one. Uh, so I'm speaking from personal experience here. We've purchased facilities that were 60% occupancy. The demand was there, Right. The business plan was horrible. There was no team. Nobody was really executing on the non-existent business plan. And um, they underwrote it wrong. They didn't get the right units and everything. So we bought it. The demand was there. We changed up the unit size. We underwrote it um, effectively. And then we put in a plan on how we were going to fill that facility up. And within a year, we went from 60 plus percent up. So it's it's integrating these four things where people fail and making sure you get them right. Uh, the little things you can learn, right? You can do. I can figure out, okay, maybe my marketing's not working here, but I know there's demand, so let's tweak it. Um, but those are really the four things that I see take down people in storage. For sure. What yes. Yeah. Those are probably definitely the most common that that we've seen. Um, and if you guys, as we're going through these things and talking about any of this, if there's any gray area, you have any questions, comments, make sure and shoot them to us, uh, either AJ at, uh, on Instagram or jump on the website, uh, selfstorageincome.com. Shoot us your questions because we love to hear from you guys. And uh, one of the things we do too is on you. So we, uh, we break down a lot of this on YouTube. Like yes. We have a whole entire video just yep. on, you know, some of these things like supply and demand competitive analysis on competition. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So, so much of this, I mean, you're talking bullet points, but there is a lot of these little things like you're talking about that goes in to so much of this stuff. Like 
you know, a lack of building a team. Well, how do you build a team? Or, you know, what is a business plan? What do I need to look for? A lot of that stuff you talked about, like cost of acquisition, yes. lifetime value of a tenant, all these things. We have analyzing podcasts supply about demand. Oh, dude, yeah. Podcasts, Whole podcast on how you YouTube. do demand underwriting and everything. So dude, yeah. remember these things, make these bullet points, and then go back through the content to figure out how you solve the problems. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and your book. Yeah, the, the book's a straight walk. <laughs> just shameless plug here for yeah, everything. Yeah, that's all right. Straight walk through. But it's true. I mean, we spend uh, so much time on on putting out content because yeah. it's it's like you take these things and we talk about these things. And you, you get the big picture, obviously, right? But there's an execution on every one of these lines. Mm-hmm. There's no way you can put it all together in a podcast, right? Right. In fact, even putting it all together in the book was basically impossible. And it's the largest book on the market on self-storage. And so when we looked at it and when we're looking at the whole education part of self-storage, it's not just one video. It's not just one podcast, right? And that's not how learning works and that's not how this industry works. So this is particularly like, listen, everybody, here's your frame of thinking that's wrong. Here are these things that go wrong. Mm -hmm. Now, when you go back and we go through and you list them out and you say, all right, Let's talk about underwriting. Let's talk about execution, your team, who you need, right? What When you're getting that deal done, are you getting phase ones done? Are you getting Alta surveys done, right? We have a whole podcast on that. We're doing our next podcast is purely on due diligence, okay? Right? Like just on due diligence. It's a huge process. Um, it's a huge process. And Critical. that's an entire podcast in itself. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you could make... You could make podcasts of oh, podcasts yeah. on yeah, just the due diligence aspect. There's so much in yeah. there. Um, so, you know, we're trying, we, you know, we're putting stuff out every week. We hope it's great information for you guys. Um, well, dude, and even this, it got me to thinking in this supply and demand aspect. That was one, we dodged a bullet with a potential project on that just this past yes, year. We did. With analyzing the supply and demand accurately where... You know, we went in, we looked at the supply on the market and said, wow, like supply is really good. Um, it, the numbers looked really well. The, the square footage on the market looked like it was low. Therefore, it would signify a, a pretty decent, you know, there's got to be some demand if it's that low, right? Um, but then we actually looked at the demand in that market. And oddly enough, it was next to nothing. And we dodged a massive, massive bullet. Yeah, we were pretty far down the road yeah. on that deal. I mean, we took trips out there and kind of looked at things. It was a big conversion. And, yeah. And that came back down to this idea that we talked about. And I have, a, we think we got a podcast on it and a YouTube video, but there's two sides of this demand, right? So we talk about supply and demand. You have understanding the numbers and everything else, but then there's the utilization of that square footage in the market. That's where we got that wrong. Mm-hmm. Um once we were on the ground and once we really started digging in and really analyzing, it was like, hold on, this is one of the lower square footage <laughs> we've seen. But it's so crazy. There's no utilization. Yeah. Nobody's using the square footage that's even on the market. Yep. It defies logic or reason. Um, we don't have an answer for it. It's not mm-hmm. like we ever figured out why. Why the, in that market, that square footage, which in any other market we've ever had, would be demand would be astronomical. Um that market, it just wasn't. Yeah. And um, the point was, though, we figured it out and right. we walked away. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, each one of these line items, we have experienced it because we've either done it wrong or we've done it right. And it's uh, you got to put it all together. 
Um, so we hope that this podcast is helping you do that, right? We hope it's helping you guys exactly. put this all together and the other resources. But we do think it's important to combine all of them. There's a way in communicating, which is so interesting through YouTube, um, which is very different. Like podcasts, this long forum conversation type where it's off the cuff, right? I mean, we're just, we're talking about the business. We're talking about things that are going wrong. We think of it examples like you just did. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, you guys got to remember this because we screwed up on this. Um, and then you have a much more formatted story like in the book, which is, right, it has to be formatted because if it's just me off the cuff talking, you're going to go, this guy's <laughs> mad. He's just scribbling all over the place. Yeah, that like, would actually be hilarious. Like, it's the way it worked. Um, and then oh, even same with like YouTube, we're like, okay, we got to talk about this. We're going to put bullet points and images. We're trying to help you guys, you know, get it. Uh, YouTube's a little funner, um, but still we're going, it's me talking and it's mm-hmm. much more teaching, right? Yeah. Um, and then you have online where, whether it's Instagram or these other things, we're showing and doing backstage. And for me, that's, I don't know, I, I, I guess that's how I learn. I learn more by the seeing and hearing and and it takes a lot of inputs for me to like I may know something but not understand it. Mm-hmm. And understanding it takes a three-dimensional view of that subject while knowing it is one-dimensional. And my rote memory doesn't exist. And so like for me like school repetitive um repeating you you could you could give me 10 points and tell it to me a hundred times, then ask me to repeat it. And unless I know why I'm doing it, unless I understand everything, I'll point, (laughs) I won't remember any of them. And so like for me, I need lots of inputs. I need to visually see it. I need to understand it, not just know it. Mm. And I hope that all these resources are helping people understand the industry, not just know it. And that's a lot of these things that we're talking about that people get wrong is they feel like they know it, but there's no understanding, so the execution falls flat, um, and that's what you got to look out for. I mean, and for us, you know, you guys failing, people failing in storage means we all fail. I think it's the greatest thing about this industry, right? A rising tide does lift all ships. If you have bad utilization and bad occupancy sitting on a market, that hurts your competitor a mile down. They don't. They, they don't, they're not helped because you have 20% vacancy. Mm-hmm. Now it works, right? It's if there's too much on the market, that demand thing, I can't control that. I hope everybody that comes into all the markets that I'm in is improving, raising rents, and not overbuilding. Yep. That if, overbuilding's huge. Yeah. We can all keep raising rents, right? We can keep up with inflation. We can keep with our expenses. So every year we have a good margin. We're making a good cash flow and we're increasing the equity in our storage facilities. That's the goal here. And when people come in, like, you know, we talk about this, build it and they will come. It's you do that and everybody around you suffers. And so it's really important for there to be more education in the market. And that's kind of how I look at this. I, I, you know, people are like, you're giving out either all the secrets or why are you talking to I'm like, that only helps you and it yeah. only helps me. Ignorance and keeping these ideas, like, right, everyone, if everyone just thought build it and they would come, that would just devastate everybody's markets. For sure. Execute good. You make money. We make money. It works. Cities like us. I mean, we've had such a big push where in the industry where we're trying to 
make sure that our assets are really good and they stand out because we're trying to reframe the perception of counties and cities that this is a junkyard because it's not. This is a business that is needed. There is actual need for this asset type and mm-hmm. cities need to understand how this asset is utilized, what it represents and work with us to build in good locations. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I've so kind frustrating. Of, it is. And I've always kind of thought the same thing about the manufactured home industry, you know, and uh, some of the talks and different things that, that we've had. I know, you know, a lot of guys in that space. And uh, that was one of the things I've always kind of felt like that industry could do better at is showing cities what a lot of these newer manufactured homes look like, how they function. Again, it's, it's not this junkyard thing, and it doesn't have to be. It's evolved so much. Yeah. yeah. And two, there's a massive need for it. Right. I mean, you exactly. look at areas that you know are growing, like our area, and, our, and home prices are just they're mm-hmm. unattainable now for a huge portion of the population. And this is going on all over the United States. Right. Well, that means people have less room. They have to get smaller homes. They live in apartments. They can't afford new homes, right? They need storage. They need affordable housing, right? Mm -hmm. There has to be alternatives, and people need options. Um, And it needs to be done right. And us, as creators, as builders, as entrepreneurs, we're here to provide that to people. Mm -hmm. And you have to work within the realms of the government, and we have to do a good job, or we're going to get a bad name, and they're not going to want us to do it, and then our customers don't get the product that they need. Um. Yeah, that kind of went away from what we were talking about. But. No, but it's, it's right in line with everything. Dude. Supply, demand, what people need and what yes, they don't. It's important. <laughs> so, Why people fail. Exactly. So out of all our content, everybody, we hope that it is helping you to become better investors, operators, working within your local government and delivering great products. And two, buying those crappy ones and making them awesome. Mm-hmm. We've had cities that said thank you. I don't know if you ever worked with a city and building or anything else like that. They don't say thank you. <laughs> it's just get your stuff and get out. Yep. It's yep. like, come on. We don't, you know, it's normally a fight. And that's what we like to see. We like to see when our communities are better for it and that 100%. the city appreciates an asset like that and a business like that in their community. Anything else we're missing, man? The self-storage income manager podcast. That's right. Dude, almost almost forgot even. Dude, we, it, we were supposed to talk about this. We were supposed to talk about this right at the first because it's coming out in like a week, two weeks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're right, we're right there. So that's coming out. So Yeah, about a week actually yeah. from right now. Exactly. You guys got to look out for that. Uh, we're really excited about that one. It's going to be, you know, it, it, very different than this one because it's going to be focused so much on operations and having discussions with the people that are on the ground and doing it. And mm-hmm. two... Any of you that own, operate, or getting into the business, first of all, if you're getting into the business, that's a must. You have to listen to this podcast. If you own and operate and you have managers, they need to listen to the podcast. And if you're a self-operator, you need to listen to the podcast. Um, The tricks and trades on how to run your facility effectively. It's going to be great, guys. Yeah, super excited about it. Keep your eyes open. Uh, February 1st, it's coming out. And uh, we'll be promoting it on social media, the website, everything else. And here on the podcast, we'll put some links in the show notes. Uh, So go check it out, guys. And we'll see you over there. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.